Today is October 18th, 2023. This is Read Through the New Testament. And it's not really October 18th. <laughs> We're recording this early because... I'm going to be traveling. And so we just figured we'd do this kind of in the future. But you you read in class yesterday from Matthew 21. We're going to read Matthew 22, 1 through 22 today. And Acts 27. And Acts 27. Here we go. Matthew 22. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants, telling them, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. And they said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited are not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found both bad and good, so the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Hmm. What an interesting story. You've yeah. got to come to the feast, but you got to be ready, too. And want to go. And want to go. Okay, now we're dealing with taxes. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his words, and they sent their disciples to him. Along with the Herodians, now the Herodians were part of Herod, so they were a political group. That's why they asked about taxes. So along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully, and you do not care about anyone's opinion, but you are not, for you are not swayed by appearances. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And Jesus is really in a difficult situation if he said, Yes. And the Pharisees hate him because they hated paying taxes. Mm. And if they said no, they'd be in trouble with the Herodians, the political people. So Jesus answered his question with a question. Verse 18. But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard it, they marveled, and they left him and went away. All right, now we are in Acts 27, and we're going to read the whole chapter. And listen for all the different Mm -hmm. um, um, sailing sort of words. Mm -hmm. So, And this this chapter is all about Paul's journey to Rome. Yep, on the sea. Right, he had to travel, he traveled by ship. Yep. Okay. And when it was decided that we should sail for Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion, 
of the Augustan cohort named Julius. By the way, it says we, so that would be mm-hmm. Luke and Paul. Mm-hmm. All right, and embarking in a ship of Adramitium, which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea, accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. The next day we put in at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. And, putting out to sea from there, we sailed under the lee of Cyprus, because the winds were against us. And when we had sailed across the open sea along the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra in Lycia. By the way, there's all these locations. You can check your map on the, in the back of the book to follow along. There the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing for Italy and put us on board. So they just switched ships. Uh, we sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with difficulty off Nidus. And as the wind did not allow us to go further, we sailed under the lee of Crete off Salam- Sa- Salamone. Salamone. Like Salamone. Actually, yeah, it's not Salmon. Oh, you're right. There's no Salamone. Okay. <laughs> but we love Salamone's pizza. <laughs> we sailed under the lee of Crete off Salmon. Okay, coasting along with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens, which was near the city of Lacia. Yep, and since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous, because even the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. And because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing both southwest and northwest and spend the winter there. Verse 13. Now, when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete, close to the shore. But soon a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Running under the lee of a small island called Cauda, we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then, fearing that they would run aground on on the site, Cyrtus, they lowered the gear, and thus they were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay on us, all our hope of being saved was at last abandoned. So just picture this. You're out in the sea. You've had the storm. It's, and without the clouds, you can't navigate because they navigate by the stars. And all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Yeah, they've been throwing out their cargo and trying yeah. to save themselves. It's yeah, not Very working. difficult. And since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship, 
For this very night there stood before me an angel of God, of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And that's the whole point. Paul had said, I appeal to Caesar and to Caesar he's going. And so he's going to stand before Caesar. This is the, the promise of God. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. When the fourteenth night had come, as they were being driven across the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. So they took a sounding and found twenty fathoms. A little further on, they took a sounding again and found fourteen fathoms. And fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship and had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go. As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore I urge you to take some therefore I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength, for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things he took bread, and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Then they all were encouraged and ate some food themselves. We were, in all, 276 persons in the ship. It's a big ship. That's a lot of people. Yeah. And when they had eaten enough, they lighted the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. Now, when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea at the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders. Then, hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. But, striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land, and the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to land. Difficult, difficult journey. Yeah. All right. We will see you tomorrow. Okay. Goodbye.